Morning, church. How are we doing? Warm, yes. Uh, please spare a thought for me while you sit there and sweat uh, privately. I'm standing here sweating on YouTube for the rest of time. So um, thanks, guys. Um, if you've got a Bible, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, so turn that up on your Bible, in your phone. Uh, we've got a couple of other places we're going to go as well, but we're going to camp out there to start. Um, just to say, it is hot. I won't be offended if you get up at any point and go grab some water. Um, that's fine. I won't take offense. Uh, next week, I will take offense, but today uh, is absolutely fine. Before the summer, we had a season of prayer and fasting as a church into our future. And in that season... Um, you guys came to me with a whole load of words and pictures and senses of what you felt the Lord was saying. And so what I've done over the summer is I've kind of collated a lot of that and I've put it into a sermon series. And so that's what we're going to be doing um, for the next few weeks. We're going to be exploring some of the things that God has been saying to us over the season, particularly looking at mission what it means to be a church on mission. So we're calling it Together We Go. We're going to look at things like courage, things like faith, things like unity. Um, and today we're going to look at what our call is. Okay, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 28. If you haven't got there by now, you probably won't get there. Uh, and I'm going to read from verse 16. This is Jesus. He's died. He's risen again. He's about to ascend into heaven. His, his final words to his disciples while he was here on earth. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I find that fascinating and very encouraging. They've just seen him resurrected from the dead. And they worshipped him, but they're still not all convinced. I find it so encouraging, because I don't know about you, but my faith isn't always 100% where I want it to be. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Would you pray with me? This isn't just something we do every week. We're actually asking God to speak. This is a holy moment. And so, Father, would you speak to us now through your word? Jesus, would you be glorified? Would we see you more clearly? Holy Spirit, would we have a greater awareness of your presence, I pray. Amen. Amen. So this is what's called the Great Commission. If you've been around church any length of time whatsoever, you will know these words. You will have heard a dozen sermons on these words. If you're new, you are in for a treat because these are phenomenal words. But because I think a lot of us will know a lot about these, these words, here's what I want to do. I want you to do the work. Okay? So here is... The Great Commission. What I would love for you to do 
is you're in four sections. One, two, three, four. Uh, I'm going to say, because you're quite depleted. If you're on the back row, you're in section one, okay? And section one, I want you to take blue. Section two, you're on red. Orange, green, okay? So blue, red, orange, green. And you've got a couple of minutes. I want you just to turn to the person next to you, turn in pairs and threes, probably no more than four or so. Um, and I want you to unpick what is up here. What, what's, what's being said? What does it mean? Uh, what do you think's going on? What sticks out to you? Um, so the red section, you've got what's often called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Orange, you've got a bit more detail on that. And then the wings, the blue and green, you've got kind of empowerment. How is that going to come about? Okay, two or three minutes. We're then going to feed back uh, and uh, have a great time doing it. That's what we're going to do. Uh, so a couple of minutes, have a chat, and then we'll come back in a minute. All right. I was going to say no wrong answers, but of course there are. Um, but I'm still keen to hear what you were talking about, what you were discussing. Let's take this as an opportunity. The Bible's full of encouragements to teach one another, to exhort one another, to spur one another one. So this is part of that. So back row and this section here. This is your time to shine. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What kind of stuff are we saying? It's going to be very, very long if it's very quiet. It's a lot of how much authority? All. All authority. Where? Heaven. Okay, so all authority in heaven. All of it. Do you know what that Greek word all means? All, okay? It's a lot. And where? Earth. Think of all the authority. Rulers, powers, the people behind the thrones. All authority has been given to who? Jesus. We're coming on to it. All authority has been given to me, to Jesus. Jesus is the one, if you're reading it in Philippians 2, all authority, all power, all thrones, all dominions have been given to him. Now we're going to come back to why this is so important. What else are we, are we talking about? What else are we saying? Anything else you want to pick up on? Pardon? Just the top. Okay, let's go to the next one. Red, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. What, what were we talking about there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So disciples, not just go and get people to come up the front and do an altar call and they say they're going to follow Jesus. Disciples. What's a disciple? A follower, like an apprentice. So Jesus' dad's Joseph would have been a carpenter, so Jesus would have apprenticed, he would have discipled under Joseph. So, make disciples. Do we know disciples of who? Disciples of all nations. And, and who are they to be disciples of? Who are they following? I guess that's my question. Jesus. So it's not just disciples of anyone, it's disciples of Jesus. 
We think, okay, great, Jesus um, taught us loads of things. We need to follow the things Jesus taught. But he also did loads of things. He prayed for the sick. He cast out demons. Part of discipleship is also learning to pray into the things that Jesus did. It's a big calling. Make disciples. It's not just some altar call. Come, follow Jesus. Live the fullness of life that Jesus lived. Wow. And where, sorry, we kind of covered that? All nations. Do you know what that word all is in the Greek? It's all. Okay. All nations. We wouldn't be here if the disciples had done this. If you're here and you're kind of um, ethnically uh, English as far back as you kind of know, just pop your hand up. That's a lot of it. You are here because people follow this commission. Okay, hands down. If you are here and you are not 100% ethnically English as far as you know, I'd love for you to put your hand up. Hello. Oh, oh Jim. Go on. Keep your hands up, guys. Keep your hands up. Irish, bit of Irish, that's pretty foreign, yeah, I've got a bit of Irish in me, Pete, bit of German, yes, yeah, Russian, nice, Nigerian, French, French, foreign, Scottish, yeah, 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 French, bit of Swiss as well, Spanish, very nice, in the back, Swedish, Caribbean, so Polish, yes. Esther, what did you, you have your hand up? You didn't have your hand up. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, go on. Kenya, amazing. How cool is that? Yes, we've got one more here, Rebecca. Sorry? I didn't get that. Vancouver. Go on, Marilyn. Cuba. You've got Cuban in you. Amazing. I love it. Isn't that... So, all of those, all of those ethnicities are because disciples followed this and the gospel went out. All nations. That means, friends, not just people like us. In your workplace, not just people like you. In your neighborhood, not just people like you that you would naturally get on with. For the disciples, then going to the Gentiles, I wonder who it means to go to for you. Anything else from this section? Go. Yeah. Go. You can't sit and wait for people to come to you. Sorry, guys. Go. And do you know what's really interesting? I don't read ancient Greek, surprise, um, but I do read commentaries, and they tell you ancient Greek stuff. This isn't strictly a go as in a telling people to go. It's more the sense of as you go, right? So as you go. So Jesus knew that the persecution was going to come and the disciples were going to go all over the place. And he's saying, as you go, just tell people about Jesus. As you go, as you go to work, to your families, to your communities, on holiday, wherever it might be, as you go, let's get making disciples. It's not just for some, it's for all. Okay, here. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yeah, Trinity. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Yes, Liz. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's interesting that baptism comes before teaching here. Uh, baptism is, uh, and teaching, there we go. Um, so baptism, the entryway into faith. People saying, I want to follow Jesus. I don't even know what it really means like yet, but I want to follow Jesus. And then there's a job to do after that of what? Of teaching people. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And if this is a command for everyone, then the teaching is also a command for everyone. It's not just a few people sitting up on the stage. It's in home groups. It's in one-on-one conversations as you talk and pray for one another, as you do life together. Anything else from this section? The whole Trinity. So, there are some folk who would carry the label Christian or call themselves Christians who would say that there is no such thing as the Trinity. That Jesus is not God, the Holy Spirit is not God. This is blasphemy then. If Jesus is saying, is putting the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in the same breath, that you're baptized not just into the Father, not just into the Son, not just into the Holy Spirit, but the whole caboodle, that's really, really important. You can have a relationship with the Father. It's achieved through the Son, and it's affected by the Holy Spirit. We get to experience all of that. We've got... We don't have the last bit, quite. That's fine. We can still talk. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. We get to serve the king, the one with all authority. And this kind of goes back, everything I've commanded you is everything. This goes back to the discipleship thing, doesn't it? That it's not just, Jesus didn't just command how to be kind to people and how to love people and how to forgive people. He commanded us to go out to do the works that he did as well. Oh, that we would grow in that in this church. Scary, but it's the calling. And then the last bit, which isn't on here, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Tell me about that, guys. Didn't quite hear that, Marilyn. Can you? Yeah. Yes. So we keep we we kind of hold on to the memories and the teaching of Jesus, and it works its way out in our life. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Guys, in the last bit, surely I'm with you always to the ends of the age. Always. Do you know what always is in the Greek? Always. This is good. This is easy, isn't it? Always. Every season. Good times, bad times. Where you feel close to God, where you feel far from God. It doesn't matter how you feel. He is with you. Always and all times. To the end of the age. Not just for those first disciples. For all disciples. Anything else from this bit that stuck out? Thank you. So he's commissioned us to make disciples of all nations. And he says, I'm with you as you do it. 
Imagine what difference that will make as you speak to your neighbors and your colleagues about Jesus. Or as you don't, but you want to. Jesus is with you. And all authority, this comes back to what Matt was saying. It's not just, Jesus is not saying, I've got all authority, Soz, you're on your own. That's not what he's saying. What's he? He's giving us the authority. The authority of Jesus. He gives that to us as we go out on mission. Now, there may be a few new things in there that you didn't know. Chances are, if you've been around church any length of time, you'll know all of that stuff. Almost. Why don't we do it? We know the command. We know it's for all of us. We know it's for all time. We know Jesus is with us. We know we have the authority of Jesus. Why don't we do it? Why do we chicken out? Why do we get scared? What stops us? Well, I was thinking about this this week, and I thought about pink lady apples. Um, Undoubtedly the best type of apple, I think we can all agree. Yes? The perfect combination of crispness, juiciness, and uh, yeah, just, it just looks nice as well. So the Pink Lady Apple, best apple. Imagine there's no shops, no supermarkets, no Aldi, none of that stuff, and you wanted a Pink Lady Apple. How would you get a Pink Lady Apple? Would you screw up your eyes, tense really hard? Pink Lady Apple, there we go. Is that how it works? No, you need a Pink Lady Apple tree. The fruit comes from somewhere. Evangelism, that is telling people about Jesus, sharing your faith, is a fruit. It comes from somewhere. Yet we think what we've got to do is I've got to tell you, go tell more people about Jesus, and you've got to try really, it's like laying an egg, a really big egg. Ah, Evangelism, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pluck up the courage and go. That's what we do, and then we do it for about three days, and then we just kind of stop. It's because we're just trying to lay an apple. (laughs) There's a tree that the apple comes from. What is the tree the apple comes from? Where does evangelism grow from? I want you to turn your Bibles with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a few verses later, a few chapters later, a few pages down. I'm going to read from verse 11, I think. This is the Apostle Paul talking about his ministry. He says this, Since, then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. That's fear like we're afraid of the ocean, like a healthy respect. Not fear as in, uh, I wonder if he's going to punch me today. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God. I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again. It's not about us, but we're giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. There are people who are saying, don't listen to Paul. He's nonsense. Verse 13. If we are out of our minds, as some say, it's for God. If I'm going to be crazy, I'm going to be crazy for God. It's like that song, Leslie, jumping for God. Crazy for... Don't worry. Okay. Uh, If we're in our arm, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Okay. A lot of words there. 
But Paul is saying, do you know what drives my ministry? Do you know what really keeps me going as I tell people about Jesus? It's the fact that Jesus died for you. It's the fact that he died and was raised to life for you, that you could experience true life in relationship with him, living for him and not for your selfishness, living a life bigger than what you anticipate and what you ever dreamed it could be. And if you're here and you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, that is the call of Christianity. It's not just follow the Ten Commandments and come to church. This is a call to life in all its fullness. He said, I've experienced the love of God And what does that love do? It compels him. The thing that pushes him out is the love of Christ. That he has so experienced God's love in his life that he can't help but tell other people. You know the really annoying teenager who gets a girlfriend and then tells everyone about that girlfriend. They are the best person that he's ever met. And then he's on someone else in a few weeks' time. That's fine. But go and Ed's mates and his parents and his, everyone knows about this girl because he loves her. And he wants to share that. Or when you go watch a movie or a TV show or a book, whatever it is, we tell people what we love. It's just a natural part of loving stuff. The fruit... The tree that the fruit of evangelism grows out of is love. So if you and I want to grow in evangelism, it's not going to come as me telling you to tell more people about Jesus. It'll work for a time. It'll come as the love of Christ so fills your life that you can't help but tell. It bursts out of you. A bit like this thing. Once the love of Christ gets a hold of you, <laughs> you can't get that back in again without some trying. <laughs> Once the love of Christ, it just pops out. You can get it in, but it takes hard work. So how do we get the love of Christ in us? Well, we need to know it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ died for us. We need to know what love looks like. Love is not receiving certain blessings from God. That is an aspect. Love is not its fundamental, unchanging aspect of love. Because there are times that it's going to be dry. Love of God is not when when there's a certain level of financial security you have, or health security you have, or anything like that. That is not a fundamental indication of God's love for you. The fundamental indication of God's love for you is that Christ died for you. If you want to know God loves you, don't look at your bank balance. Look at the cross. It's not to say he doesn't bless us in other ways. But those will come and those will go. If you want to know God loves you, we look at the cross. The thing is, guys, I've been preaching the cross for five years. And we can know it, but it doesn't mean we know it. Many of you who've been here for a number of years will know our daughter, Um, That was her just a few weeks ago off to preschool. Um, And she's adopted. And um, she came to us when she was about a year old. So that was a picture recently. That's her. And this is her when she came to us a year old. And I, I joke not, that expression was on her face for months. 
She wouldn't be held by me. She wouldn't let me do anything. She was scared. She'd been taken from her foster carers and brought into our family. And long term, we knew that was the right thing. But in the short term, that was traumatic for her. And the thing is, I had so much love to give her. So much I wanted to, to share with her. So much, so much joy and happiness I wanted to experience with her. And yet she held me at arm's length through no fault of her own. Because she wasn't able to receive my love. We can know God loves us. And yet we cannot be ready to receive his love. For a whole load of reasons. Maybe that's your past. You've done stuff or stuff's been done to you that has left you feeling unlovable. There are wounds, maybe relationship breakdowns, maybe stuff people said to you. And maybe that works its way out in a whole load of ways. Maybe relationally you're distant. Maybe you're trying to earn people's approval desperately. Maybe your parents, particularly your dad, wasn't the dad that you would have wanted him to be. Maybe there are wounds there, and that stopped us from seeing the loving father that God is. The problem is these aren't thought processes. These are things deep down inside us, deep hurts, deep wounds, deep layers of things that have been built on and built on and built on. I can't just tell you God loves you and you believe it necessarily. We need a deeper work. Romans 5, Paul says this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you want to know God's love like you know it, like you know it, like you know it, it's not going to come as a result of me telling you necessarily. It will come as an experience from the Holy Spirit. He can cut through all that stuff that you've experienced and been through and pour out the Father's love into your heart. And he can do that today. Church, we're talking about evangelism. but we're really talking about the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. His love is the thing that motivates him. His love is the thing that's going to motivate us. If you want to be better at sharing Jesus with people, you need more of the love of Jesus in your heart. Church, if we're going to be better at sharing the love of Jesus with here and with South Wigston and with Lutterworth and with Santa Cruz and with wherever else we might find ourselves, what we need is more of the love of God in our lives. And I believe he wants us to experience that today. And one of the ways that we can experience that is through communion, which is what we're going to do now. See, communion, taking the bread and the the cup that represents the body and blood of Jesus, it's, it's a symbol, but actually it's something more than a symbol. There's something going on there. The Holy Spirit can use it to remind us of who God says we are, of what he's done for us, of experience closeness with him. And so what I'd love for us to do is I'm going to put a few questions up. I want to take a minute of quiet and just reflect. And if you're here and you're aware that there is something in your life or in your past or in your experience that stops you receiving the love of Jesus like he intends you to. I want you just to name that before him. 
and we take communion and worship, and anyone who wants to receive prayer is going to be able to receive prayer. Maybe you're here and you've always just said, I don't really do emotions, or you've always felt that. And so in terms of your relationship with God, it's always just been up here. But there hasn't been much joy. I believe God might want to break some of that open this morning. So let's just take a moment. Here's some questions for you. If we could pop maybe some gentle background music on and let's take a minute just to reflect. And I'm going to invite you to take communion and we'll just see where it goes from there.